This is Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast, episode number 177. Today, our special guest is Rennick Brutus, and we have a very inspirational conversation about living your best life, no matter what your circumstances. You won't want to miss this one. Welcome back to Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast. This is the only podcast that shows you how to leverage polarity intelligence, an essential competency for healthcare leaders, and the missing logic in healthcare, so you can create healthy healing organizations and become a thriving, resilient, and unstoppable healthcare leader. We are your hosts, Tracy Christofferson and Michelle Troset. We've been best friends and colleagues for over 30 years. And during that time, we coached healthcare leaders across North America around how to create healthy healing organizations. Today, we coach healthcare leaders and leadership teams to live thriving, resilient, and balanced lives, combat burnout, and create the best places to give and receive care. This podcast is for the unsung hero of healthcare, the healthcare leader. We want you to know we see you and we'll be here for you each week. In this podcast, we're going to challenge healthcare's industry norms, flip limiting beliefs, and share proven strategies so you can be your best self at working at home, live and lead intentionally, and experience well-being and joy. We are glad you are here and look forward to sharing the journey with you. If you aren't totally convinced this podcast is for you, just listen to a few episodes and convince yourself. Welcome to another episode of Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast. It's Tracy and Michelle. We're back again with another fabulous guest, a two-timer. Uh, yes, a repeat guest. Yes. Rennick yeah. is just a fabulous guest to have. He's so wise. Oh, my yeah, gosh. Very wise. Uh, I could just listen to him all day long. and I could, too. He, 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 he just inspires you, really, mm-hmm. his stories, um, his experience, and now his passion to bring kind of like a, everything he's learned in his life out in a book, which we're going to talk about as well. Yeah, and I, I love um, that he's all about the questions, right? Yes. So it's the quality of the questions you ask, right? Yes. Influence the quality of your life, and he's got great questions. <laughs> <laughs> he does, and he talks about how important it is that all of us have the courage to speak up step out and bring who we are and our voice and our perspectives and a lot of different stories about that. So we are pleased to have him back again. And let me introduce you to Rennick and then we'll be on to the interview. All right. So Rennick Brutus has led companies, consulted and developed leaders for more than 20 years. He has written multiple workshops and published The Achiever's Pocket Guide to Effective Networking. Rennick has lived a resilient and resourceful journey, extricating himself from biases and restraints that are commonplace. He borrows from his career experiences to and findings that have se- and has seized the opportunities that exist within work arrangements to achieve and guide others to improve their results. He speaks and writes with the mind of a pragmatist, heart of a sage, and pen of a poet. Love that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> His words will transport you with the stories that illustrates vividly the challenge faced by outlier segments of our society, but he reveals the endless opportunities they can harness to affirm their value, inspire respect and admiration, and live more freely. So let's go be inspired with our conversation with Rennick. Well, welcome back, Rennick. We're so excited to be with you today. Here we are. It's my pleasure. Couldn't wait to spend some more time with you ladies. Yeah. Always fun. Oh, it is always fun. It is. We've already had some laughs that you guys aren't even aware of. <laughs> <laughs> so it's actually been two years since you've been on our podcast. Actually, we've recorded over 100 episodes since you were on, and your podcast episode was number 62. So we're so, so pleased to be back with you. But tell our listeners kind of what's the most significant thing that's happened to you since you were here last? Yeah, that's an an interesting question because as I I ponder significance at this stage of my life, I can't help but go back to family. And I welcomed into my world a grandson. You know, I I have one daughter only child and she delivered last December oh. this cute 
little boy who she and her husband don't hesitate to remind me is on track to be a whole lot smarter than me <laughs> and much better looking. <laughs> <laughs> And and I've been happy to take the back seat to that um, oh. and just savor. What a remarkable experience. And I've heard people talk about what it's like to be a grandparent. And like with so many things in life, you you have a sense, you try to understand, but if you haven't lived it, it's really hard to appreciate it. So I now am beginning to understand what they've meant when they've said how special grandchildren and the relationship with them can be. So it's been great. Um, Wyatt is a new member of my life, and it's been absolute fun. Oh, that's amazing. I have a Wyatt in my life, too. Yes. Oh, wow. I, yeah, yes. yeah. I have five grandchildren. I'm I'm all about the grandchildren. Wow. Yeah, and you can't. You just can't explain the feelings and the re- how special the relationship is. so different from your kids. You know, that's what's amazing about it. So, oh, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. That's awesome. And as, as, a, as I've come to expect, there you are, uh, ahead of me, paving the way. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. I'm paving the way that's for you. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and well, your children, evidently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm behind, but I guess I better add Wyatt to my name list. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Oh, that's great. Oh my that's gosh. Great. Well, since we spoke to you, um, well, we spoke to you recently in planning for this, and we found out that you're writing a book, and it just sounds so wonderful and timely, and that's why we're so excited to have you in the podcast today. So tell our listeners a little bit about the book and what stimulated you to write a book now. Yeah, it's, you know, so, so many of us have heard people say to us, um, you've got a book inside of you. It's just a matter of figuring out what that is, that you are uniquely prepared to talk about, write about. You know, as I got to this stage in my career and, and I reflected on some key things, one is what, what do I say to the little Renix of the world? Um, what do I wish I had known, I had learned, I had been provided advice on when I was 20, 25, 30 years old? What do I say, what would I want to say to my grandson? Now, it's I remember when I took my daughter Renee to college and uh, we sat down for dinner and I just randomly asked her, Renee, of all the things that I have and could leave for you, which one singular thing do you think is the most valuable? And in in true Renee humor, she said, Daddy, your car. <laughs> she said, only kidding, <laughs> only kidding. Only kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, no, your, your, your business. I said, I said, yeah, that's a good answer. But no, um, really, I think the most valuable thing I could leave for you is my library of books. And if you never even opened the pages, but merely looked at the titles on the spines, you would get a good sense of what I believe are principles that you could live your life by. And so in keeping with that thought process, I asked myself, what could I leave? What could I write? What could I capture from the experiences I've had, from the stories I've been told from what I've experienced and observed from clients and capture it in one idea, one theme. And so, with all that said, um, it occurred to me that being irresistible Mm. is the idea, the powerful concept that 
anyone, everyone could benefit from. And here's why it's even more potent. And, and, and I, I speak to this in the book. The question, and you know, I ask lots of questions, and even of myself. And, and yes, I do answer them too. <laughs> <laughs> Glad to know I'm not the only one. Yes, really. <laughs> I talk to myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, one, and there's so many questions. For example, have you ever walked into a room and felt, felt as though you were invisible, unseen? Have you been ignored? Have you been in a work environment, working with peers, working with colleagues, working with bosses, working with team members, where you felt disrespected? Where your ideas were not listened to, even considered, let alone acted upon? And yet, you've known the who you were and the ideas you possessed were incredibly valuable. And as if that were not frustrating enough, you probably found yourself being underappreciated, not advanced in your organization, not given the raise and the promotions and the advancement and the recognition. Sometimes you haven't even been allowed in to get the job. And, and how do you deal with that? So many of those types of situations. Well, I thought that ultimately the answer lies in the question when answered. That is, how do I become irresistible? Mm. So good. Deliver so much value. So fast. Change people's lives. Give them answers. Provide solutions. Ask questions that lead them to make these marvelous discoveries that otherwise they would not have made had you not entered their life, even in an instant. And in that whole process, you know, put a smile on their face, make them laugh, make them feel better because you were there, because you showed up. And, and recognize that you're there, not only talking about, but demonstrating in a moment that you're there to Relieve them of burdens, of struggles, of frustration, of pain. And on the other side, help them see more clearly their path, their possibilities, the opportunities for them to rise above, accomplish more, and do all of that faster. All because you entered the room or because you entered their life. And so with that experience... No matter what their preconceived ideas might have been about you, who you are, or who you're not, they're left to invite you in and embrace you and want you to be an integral part of their life for the rest of time. I think if we would would explore that idea consistently and develop ourselves to become and to think and to perform in ways that are congruent with becoming irresistible. I think our lives would be better and the lives of the people with whom we interact would be also. So those are the reasons I thought of the book. That's the content I explore through my observations and stories and experiences with real people who've done that to varying degrees in their own unique ways. And it's been a lot of fun. It's filled with laughter as well, as you would expect. (laughs) Yes, yes. Oh, that's wonderful. That's such intention there. Well, what I love is it's about owning your own personal power. Yeah. Right? And just shining, right? Shining all the incredible aspects mm-hmm. of yourself that are there and, and making that something that's welcoming and inviting to others. I just love that, right? It's not I looking do. outside you. It's looking inside you, doing the inside work, right? Yeah. 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 I love that. I love that. Well, we've always admired you and your positive mindset. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And, you know, so... How can you, how do you encourage leaders to, you always say, you know, be open to possibility. So expand on that a little bit for the listeners. How do, how do you embody that, that openness to possibilities? 
Yeah, it's it's such an interesting idea. What's possible? And and you said it well a moment ago, Tracy, when you you talked about the owning your power and engaging in reflection, which I spend quite a bit of time on in the book as well. Um, taking the time to examine your life and the life of those around you. For me, a big part of that discovery and thereafter discussion of possibilities, I think started, it had, had its, its, its genesis in my story um, tied to my parents' story. Um, my, my dad was an orphan. By age 11, had lost both his parents. Mm. My mom wasn't able to finish high school because she was in a household where her father didn't believe girls needed to be educated. The thought was she would find some guy who would take care of her. That was a pretty common thought back then. Mm-hmm. And, and I marvel at where I am today, where my daughter is today, when I consider the odds. When, when I consider where it could have been, where I could have been, um, had certain little decisions, significant ones, not been made. Somehow, two individuals who were not formally educated, not even through high school, had the insight, had the presence of mind, had the wisdom to say to us, my older brother, sister, and I, Hey, um, because as kids, we wanted to come home and we wanted to join our friends with bicycles. And kids at six and seven want bicycles. And they said to us, um, you can have whatever bicycle you want. All you have to do is pass this exam, a national exam where kids at age 10 and 11 would sit to compete for scholarships to the most prestigious schools. We call them high schools. So imagine little me at six years of age being taken window shopping is what we called it. Today, <laughs> us sophisticated consultants and leaders talk about dreaming. We, we talk about having a vision. Mm-hmm. For them, it was, let's go window shopping and just look and tell us what bicycle you like. And so we were visualizing within the context of having a vision for a future that involved the prize, mm. the bicycle. Little did we realize that by pursuing by visualizing, by, by aspiring, by identifying the study habits and following through, not only would we have our own bicycles, but we would gain access to the best school in the country and thereby be in the presence of those who had accomplished great things. That's possible for anybody who would take the time to dream, help their kids dream, set a vision, imagine what the future could be in terms of things, in terms of experiences, in terms of lifestyle, in terms of meaning. So when I think of possibilities, I I think of not allowing ourselves to be held hostage to our circumstances. Instead, I embrace and encourage the idea of allowing ourselves to be set free 
liberated from the stranglehold of limiting thoughts and, and searching perpetually and allowing consistently for our minds to be expansive, allowing ourselves to imagine what's possible. A, a mentor of mine would, would say, Rennick, if it's been done once, it can be done <laughs> twice. Yeah. Yep. If it can be done twice, you can make it a habit. And similarly, if it's been accomplished by anyone, anywhere, once, it could be accomplished twice. And even when it's not ever been accomplished, even when we haven't seen something that we aspire to or we imagine having been accomplished, if we could think it, it's a possibility mm-hmm. and it's worth pursuing. Yes. Love it. Oh, boy. <laughs> You're talking right up her alley. <laughs> Mine, too. <laughs> Can't wait for this book to come out. I know. I know. <laughs> I know it. You're just so right, though. It's it just is. so much is possible and we get in our own way. And, um, we're big dreamers, so we're yeah. right with you. That's yeah. awesome. Well, and, and I I just love, you know, that this started from the time you were a child. Yes. So we have so much responsibility, right, for the little ones because so much is imprinted and impressed upon them, right, all the way up to the age of seven, right? They're learning different things, behaviors, thoughts, right, beliefs, and um, it, it's just so impressive, you know, that your parents had the foresight, right? Made decisions like that, that taught you how to think and believe and vision and all that from a very early age. So it becomes a part of who you are and how you are in the world. Mm -hmm. I love that. Mm -hmm. Just love that. Yeah. Those early roots are really important. They are. They really are. And you have a phrase that we just love called miracle moments. So um, how do we find or create more miracle moments in our lives right now? Yeah, another another one of my favorite mind-expanding ideas. (laughs) 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 That is also wrapped in a nice bow and with a note Right across the package that says weird. <laughs> ah, I love this. <laughs> Say more. <laughs> <laughs> and and so, so one of the questions is, is it possible to earn in six months what ordinarily takes 12 or 18, or 24 months. That, I think that's a good question, and because it, it, it causes us to step back and explore where it's been done and how it might be done by us. And usually, we recognize Again, others have done it. They're no smarter or gifted or diligent than we are. Maybe they've made a few decisions along the way. Maybe had a few chance encounters. And then if we could do it in six months, could it be done in six weeks? In other words, as if it were not a, enough of a stretch to think about earning as much in six months as ordinarily took two years. Now we're pushing the envelope. What do you mean six weeks? Yeah, that's what I mean. Can you do it in six weeks? Can you do it in six days? What about six hours? And And for many... It seems ludicrous. But then when you ask yourself, 
how long does it take for me to connect, meet, connect with, engage with that one person who has the power, the influence to say to you, yes, I want you by my side. I want you on my team. The way you think, the questions you ask could transport me to a place where I lead organizations, I reshape cultures, I catapult barriers and produce incredible life-changing outcomes. In the concept, in the context of health care, dramatically improve patient care, recovery rates and times, and turnaround times for, of, of, for recovery. Um, accumulate and, and build a reputation that makes an organization so attractive that it's sought out for mergers as, as an acquirer, as a strategic partner to expand in communities because they build a reputation, they build a culture, they perform in ways that communities behold. How? So, so it's the miracle moment. It's recognizing that it doesn't take long. It takes a nanosecond to connect with that right person, to say that right word that causes someone to recognize that in you, they have a remarkable partner. In a nanosecond, in a moment, talking with a young professional, you have and I have the power to, to shift the paradigm of an individual so that they decide, oh, I'm not working in healthcare be, because it provides me a good living. Yes, I'm doing that, but, but all of a sudden, I realize I can be a healing force. I can drive an attitude in myself and in those around me so that we all are on a crusade to care in ways that we never have before in, in a moment. Here, here's another idea from another perspective What I mean when I explore this idea of a miracle moment. And I may have shared this with you before, but it's worth repeating. I found myself many years ago in the hospital. The x-ray or CAT scan, I never get them right. <laughs> I think it was a CAT scan. <laughs> I, think it was a, I think it was a CAT scan. Um, demonstrated or indicated that there was a little mass on the dura, the lining of my brain. And turned out I went to the emergency room, got admitted. And at two o'clock in the morning, I found myself talking to a neurosurgeon who was essentially sharing to me that the surgical suite had been reserved for the Monday morning, I had been admitted Thursday night into Friday morning. And so the surgical suite had been reserved for Monday morning uh, for surgery to remove the dura, the, 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 what turned out to be a, a mass on the lining. And as you know so well, that is a moment of fight or flight. And my mind raced to find an escape. And in the process, it occurred to me that in the preceding five years, I'd had two sinus surgeries. And on both occasions, they had found sarcoids in my sinuses. And in a moment, I said to the neurosurgeon, I said, hold a second. I said, in the last five years, I've had two sinus surgeries. They found 
sarcoids in my sinuses. What are the odds that this mass is not a tumor, but maybe a sarcoid? And he looked at me and he said, you have sarcoidosis? I said, yes, I do. And actually, it's in my chart. (laughs) (laughs) That was clearly a miracle moment. Yeah. Scheduled a repeat of the scan. The radiologist came back, reported that it, on the second look, presented more like a sarcoid than a tumor. And they proceeded to treat me for central nervous system neurosarcoidosis. I've never had surgery. But in a nanosecond, and, and so a miracle moment. It's that willingness, that capacity, that that habit, that instinct that is a result of a period of time being willing to question statements and premises and conclusions and authority and titles and experts. It's, It's in that moment when most 999, 999,999, and you're the one person standing alone, questioning, challenging, feeling, and being made to feel as though you are a rebel, when in fact all you're doing is seeking the truth. It's in those moments that we can bring the totality of who we are to question and in the process change the decisions of leaders, of experts, whether it's in medical field or they're leading organizations in the healthcare. Yes, everybody else is on board, but you have that one last question in that miracle moment, 90 seconds. And you find time and time again, it changes the course of organizations and of the lives of people mm-hmm. and of your own. And most importantly, it's a moment that brings you closer to your truth, your sense of why there never has been one and never will ever ever be one just like you mm-hmm. right. and it's coming to term as you said with your responsibility in a moment to do the very best you know you can because you know you're on a path that is meant to be Well, here's the miracle moments. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we have far more than we recognize. Yeah. Right? We have more yes. than we even recognize. So I really appreciate the lens, right, to see them. Um, you know, so that's, that's a big takeaway here for me, too, is recognize them when they're happening. Yeah. Not just create them and be them, but recognize them. Yeah. 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 Really, really important. Awesome. Well, what advice do you have for leaders in developing strategies to support people right now? There's so much going on with people, a lot of emotions, a lot of, you know, just a lot happening, right? And um, what are some critical skills leaders need to really um, support people right now? Yeah, I have found increasingly that we move at warp speed, society just seems to push and pull us um, to operate at its speed rather than ours. Whether it's the, the ringing telephone or the email or the text or a plethora of meetings, if we don't stop 
and take charge of our lives. I write about this as well. We have to lead ourselves mm-hmm. first. Yes. Before we can lead others. And in that leading of ourselves, it's super important to be clear about what matters most. What are the priorities? What what should we be saying yes to and no to? And to address your question about leading people, stopping this onward march for more, more things to do, more projects, more meetings, and asking questions of the people around us. What's going on in their life? <laughs> how, how do we truly gain trust? How, how do, and why should anyone open up to us if we're running, 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 just mouthing off principles and strategies? When we're not present, we're not listening, we're not (laughs) breathing, we're wired, we're frenetic, we're so busy that we don't even ask, let alone hear their pain, their goals, their ambitions, their frustrations. Because sometimes we don't ask, and sometimes we haven't earned the trust for them to be willing to open up. So one important strategy, (laughs) tactic, is to be present Mm -hmm. for healthcare professionals. I know I've spent a lot of time. I say unfortunately at times, but it's mostly fortunately receiving medical care. I've got a lot of good feedback for healthcare professionals. <laughs> <laughs> I've, 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 been, I've been the patient. I've been the patient. And, and I can tell the difference yeah. between those who are truly invested, truly supported, have leaders who have galvanized them to embrace the mission of being a healthcare professional. So, so for leaders, it's, it's, it's helpful to coalesce the caring souls who show up to give their best. Um, yes, they. we all want to live happy, fulfilled lives. And part of that, just a part of it, is doing good work. Um, I think it's the rare exception who just wants a paycheck. I think overwhelmingly people want a paycheck to provide for their families. They want the assurance of having that ability to take care of themselves and their loved ones. And they wish to be fulfilled and enjoy their work. And as leaders, we have the opportunity to lay the path, have the conversation, share the framework, help them see that it is possible, demonstrate to them how it is. Not by telling them what we expect or they should do, but by doing it ourselves. How many of us as leaders get up with a positive expectancy embracing today? 
look forward with enthusiasm to making a difference in the lives of people. How many of us show up filled with laughter and and embracing fun? Have the thought process coming out of bed. Today I get to play. I get to make a difference. I look forward <laughs> to it. Rather than, oh, it's another day. Yeah. Oh, thank God it's Friday. Oh, you mean tomorrow is Monday? I mean, you listen to the, the, the language. Oh, I can't wait for the weekend. Well, what's happening Monday through Thursday? Are we having fun? Are we making a difference? Are we looking forward to improving our impact? And are we there to be a guide and to support and facilitate others to do the same? So, so I think modeling Mm-hmm. those best practices, commitment to mission, alignment with purpose, play for pay, significance, helping others wherever they are. Th- those are the embodiment of good leadership. So, so th- those are just a couple of things that come to mind as lived practices rather than articulated (laughs) expressions that are often um, fraught with pontification by so many of us who've read the books (laughs) 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 can can finish the statements, Uh can finish, can finish the statements or remark. Oh, I know that. Yeah. So, to what extent are we living it? Yeah, yeah, and it that's is so important. It is right. We always say it's one thing to know it, but you have to apply it and you have to experience it. And I just love what you said about modeling it, because that just speaks so loudly. And and when you said people know it as a patient, you know it, and it doesn't take mm-hmm. a lot of time just to be present. To establish mm-hmm. what's most important at that moment, right? Um, yeah. Well, and great. it's that intent and impact. Yes. Right. To your point, am I? Get, how am I showing up every day? What's my intention in as a leader as I come into yeah. the organization as I get out of bed? Right. Like, what's my intention? And to really have that clarity and to set that intention that this is what I'm going to model today. And then seeing that impact, that positive impact that that can have, you know, I think that's so, so cool. Yeah. Oh, uh, I can listen to you all day. I, know, me too. I, mean, I can just sit here and let you talk and I'd just be so inspired. So yeah. much wisdom. Oh my gosh. You're so kind. Thank you. Oh, yes. so true. It's always a pleasure. Mm-hmm. Such words of wisdom. Yeah. Well, now we're going to ask you some missing questions. Uh-oh. Are you ready? <laughs> <laughs> he's always I, ready. I th- he's ready for so. anything. He's, he's ready for anything. You're ready. Well, you know, for our listeners, Rennick recently moved from our state of Michigan to Florida. So we wanted to ask you what you just what do you love most about living in Florida? What do I love most? Um, I I love the fact that it where I am typically stays above freezing. Um, there are a couple of days where it might dip a little below, maybe three or four days or nights um, below uh, freezing. Um, otherwise, it's seldom, well, so far, I've not had to wear a winter coat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah! <laughs> and and uh, I, 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 do, I do have a couple because I... I have been traveling back to, to Michigan and New Jersey and so forth. Um, so, so I, I, I like that a lot. I like mm-hmm. the fact that um, it takes me back to my formative years. You know, as you might recall, I, I grew up in Guyana, South America and uh, it's tropical. It's, and, um, and, and so it's, it's, it's just interesting how um, in so many respects, Life sometimes is a is a circle, yeah. And yeah. Um, those things that shape us, including experiences, 
and um, in, in this case, the weather, um, remain an integral part of who we are. And in, in my case, you know, I have found that just being in this environment, this this weather, um, has brought me back to some of those things I valued so much as as a child, uh, sitting out and uh, outside and listening mm-hmm. to the birds mm-hmm. and uh, wearing wearing flip flops and t shirts. <laughs> oh yeah, that's the best part <laughs> yeah. of Florida. That is, that is, that's <laughs> great. That's great. Awesome, yeah. awesome. Yeah, that's great. so I love I, those. Those are the things that come to mind as most enjoyable about being in Florida. Mm-hmm. Great. Mm-hmm. Well, our second question is, now that you're becoming a book author and now that we know you have a library, <laughs> tell our listeners who your favorite author is and why. Oh, wow. Um, well, I think second to none, um, my favorite author is Malcolm Gladwell. Oh, yes. Uh, and it's interesting I, I didn't realize this is why I liked him so much until I heard him articulate a concept that is near and dear to me. When, while being interviewed by Adam Grant, he confessed, <laughs> and that's an idea, um, he admitted, <laughs> what a concept, and to the world. Oh, talk about humility. He shared that he had made conclusions even after the most exhaustive amounts of research. He was convinced of his conclusions. And then subsequently, changed them as he got new input and made new discoveries. Mm-hmm. Someone with millions of followers, mm-hmm. highly acclaimed best-selling author, highly regarded, put on a pedestal, <laughs> being humble yeah. to yeah. acknowledge that he made flawed conclusions. Yeah. But not just keeping that to himself. Right. Like right. so many do. He was able to, comfortably enough, humbly enough, to share it. How do you not like and trust someone like that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Great point. Uh, yeah. yeah. He's an amazing author yeah. and a person, right? Like... Yeah, I, I I like him too. What a great reason. <laughs> All right, here's the wrap up question. The last one. You know, you know, we're working with healthcare leaders to understand polarities and polarity intelligence and to apply that in their lives. And one of the things we know about polarities, they're they're interdependent, contradictory perspectives, but we usually have a preference for one a little bit more than the other. It's just a natural state, nothing good, bad about it just is. It's important to know it so Mm -hmm. you can be aware of any blind spots you have because of it. And um, so we want to ask you when it comes to the polarity of current state and future state, what would be your preference? Current state versus future state. I would prefer to, and I, and I have been having conversations um, on this subject, be less, less relevant to the process of effectuating change in the lives of leaders in organizations, people in organizations. Um, Because on the one hand, you've you've heard me say, and on multiple occasions, that it's important to understand our unique gifts and good, bad, and different 
their, their lessons learned that forge and shape our personalities and our perspectives and, and values. And, and, and that brings us to be remarkable and irresistible. And while that is invaluable, it's also problematic in that organizations could become and, and people could become too reliant on this special person and perspective. I embrace a future where it's less me, it's more timeless principles that could be conveyed through and by others. Mm. Right. Allowing their personality to and their experiences to be just as relevant, just as valuable in helping others make discoveries for themselves. Mm-hmm. Ah, wonderful. Yes. Wonderful. Ah, what a great interview. Thank you so much, Renick. I mean, I just learned so much. I, uh, I'm going to have to listen to this over and over and over, over I think. And over and over. Yeah. And we can't wait for your book to come yes. out. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. Thank Very excited you. about that. Yeah. Oh, so that is another wrap for Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast. And we will see you next time. In the meantime, stay safe and stay healthy. Thank you, ladies. It's been a pleasure. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast, now a top-rated podcast for healthcare leaders. Please share this podcast with other healthcare leaders and anyone else you think would benefit. We are certain that if you found value in it, they will too. If you haven't already done so, please hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any episodes. And also, it would mean the world to us if you took a quick moment to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast player. It helps to get the word out about our podcast and incredible guests. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel if you want to watch our podcasts. You can also follow us on our Missing Logic social media channels, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Until next time.